0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: All right, welcome to On My Block Packers podcast. I'm your host, Mike He is actually in Nebraska today. He is, uh, I think he is... Doing his prep work for, he's going to be the esports coach, liaison, something pretty important. Let's, let's face facts. Whatever AG's doing over in Nebraska, hopefully they put him on the football team. As they you know, they just hired Matt Rule for another gazillion dollars. But uh, for my money, if you wanted somebody to coach running backs, coach culture over in Nebraska, Amon Green is your man. This program is brought to you by betonline.ag. Your basketball is back, and BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, eSports, or even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use your promo code "believe" BLEA, BLEAV to receive your awards. Bet online, where the game starts. So <clears throat> let's take a quick look back at this uh, Super Wild Card weekend. I know we have one more game as, as of recording where you have the uh, two-and-a-half point spread between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tonight. But what a crazy weekend. Let's just start here we're going to go over the AFC real quick because I'm going to go to the NFC guys in depth because I really want to kind of look at where are the Packers lacking? I mean, we want to talk about, we, we're we going to talk a little bit, I think about, um, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers and, and Jordan love and all this stuff, but where are the Packers lack? What is the difference between right now? We look at the giants and the San Francisco 49ers who just won some big playoff games against the Seahawks and the, and the Vikings Boy, the Vikings looked Viking ish, didn't they? Unbelievable. But Let's talk about the AFC first before we get to that Chargers Jaguars epic game. Doug Peterson, former Packer, now head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Trevor Lawrence starts with four picks. I think they're down like seventeen. I mean, twenty-seven nothing was it? Let's see, twenty-seven to nothing. They're down. Kid comes back. That kid is magic. He's got an absolute cannon for an arm. Uh, Doug Peterson and Doug Peterson just showed everybody how important coaching is. That's all I want to really say about that game, Doug beat brandon staley coaching doug out coached brandon staley trevor lawrence justin herb i mean you get blanked or give up you know, i think they scored what three points in the second half the, the chargers la chargers did after going up 27 to nothing you give up you score three points and you're a defensive you're a defensive coach and you give up 31 in two and a half quarters two two quarters in five minutes Doug Peterson is a phenomenal communicator. He's a quarterback mentor. He's a quarterback guru. He's a phenomenal head coach. He's a great play caller. That's with all these teams that are looking for like the next guy. That's it. Those are the guys you want. Those guys. Doug, find another Doug Peterson. Unbelievable job by Doug. Dolphins, Bills. Mike McDaniel I think is one of those guys. Now Mike McDaniel doesn't have the coaching. He doesn't have the playing background. He's not a former you know NFL quarterback like Doug. This guy talks different. He acts different. He thinks different. I love everything this guy did. I love everything about him. They almost pull one off on their third-string quarterback, Skyler Thompson. The one thing apparently he can't do, he loses the Bills 34-31. Arguably, they outplay the Bills for most of the game. The Bills start fast, obviously, but the the Miami Dolphins look They got a couple things going for them. One, they believe in what they're doing. Two, they are tired of not being good. They're tired of... You know, going through Adam, you know, Joe Philbin, Dan Campbell, Adam Gase. You know, go, now they go to Brian Flores. Brian Flores is doing well. They get rid of him. They get Mike McDaniel. You know, you just go, they're tired. They just want to be good. These guys are hungry, and they got some dogs on defense. They got some dogs on defense. They pick Phillips from last year, dog, dog. Good two years from now, max contract. Watch. He'll be, he'll be, have one of the top contracts in the National Football League, two years. Melvin Gordon, or excuse me, Melvin Ingram, dog. One of the most underrated pass rushers in, in, in the last 10 years. San Diego, cheat everywhere. They just picked up, they just picked up the kid from the, uh, Denver. They have two good linebackers. Xavier Howard's been good for years. And people are going to pick on them after yesterday. They're running zero coverage. He gets beat by Stephon Diggs. Yeah, that's what happens when you put a really good wide receiver on anybody, and and let him you know give the quarterback five seconds to throw. They win. Dolphins almost won that game. Mike McDaniel. Two years from now, those guys are going to be fighting for championship. They get the right quarterback. If two is healthy, like that's a whole question. Those guys can flat schemes good. Everything makes sense. They have speed speed at the right positions. If anything, if you learned anything this weekend. Having speed at the right positions makes a difference. Having talent doesn't have to be the quarterback. Having talent at the right positions makes a difference. Then we look at Ravens Bengals. Ravens should have won that game. I mean, Huntley goes over the top at the, at the you know, one-inch line or whatever and gets the ball knocked out. You're just going, first of all, give it to J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins has every right to be upset. He has every right to be upset. It's 13 carries, 62 yards. It's supposed to be the guy right now. Mar Jackson's out. Give the guy the ball. 13 carries? He's been averaging, I think, over five or six yards of carry for the last, I don't know, four, five, four, four games since he came back from injury. Doesn't get the ball once on the three plays down, down at the goal line. He has every right to be upset. However, the Ravens just defensively, great team. Bengals, I don't know. Like It's hard to bet against Joe Burrow, even against Joe, Brother, Joe, Joe Burrow Josh Allen next week. It's hard because their offensive line is terrible, and it was terrible last year, and he still gets it done. It's terrible this year. It's arguably going to be worse this year now because they got the right side missing, and I think Jonah Williams just got hurt. It's going to be terrible this this next game, and he just I don't know. I'll just take seven sacks. I don't care. I'll get sacked eight times. This, you know, he just I've never seen. He's the closest thing. When I was a kid, you sat there and you thought about Joe. Mon, Joe Montana was the guy, and I don't know his stats. You know, I'm, I'm eight years old, ten years old. You know, but you just go, man, that guy's good. Joe Burrow's like, oh man, he's I don't know his stats, boy, he can throw. You know, he just kind of gets it done. And his the ball is always on time. His guys always seem open. It's just, they're really, really good. That is the, if you look at all of this team, this is actually interesting to me. If you look at all the teams right now, you look, okay, Seahawks, 49ers. 49ers win the game. Uh, Jaguars, char, or Jaguars, Bills, Giants. The Bengals are the only team where their offense is actually difficult to run. Like it's not user-friendly. The Bengals offense is the least user-friendly offense of any team left in the playoffs i guess you include the chiefs and the eagles as well right they're completely user-friendly in other words they're putting all their good players in positions to be successful they're not overtaxing their offensive line the Bengals probably do the former but they don't use not through motion they're just kind of put them in 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 places and then their offensive line gets beat all the time beat like a drum you look at the green bay packers actually as you look at you know you watch the, the 49ers table watch it here in a minute and you look at the 49ers and the way you use George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, and the way they obviously can interchange, like Ayuke, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey. And you see the speed motion and uh, the, everything that goes on pre-snap to mess with the linebacker's eyes, secondary's eyes. You see where they align guys from a, from a crack position so the defensive end has to widen out naturally to create natural running lanes. Like everything they do is user-friendly. The San Francisco 49ers are the only team I've seen, and like I, as long as I can remember, that have literally free running plays Free running plays for the running backs or for the offensive line. Excuse me. Like, how many plays this this year? If you're a Green Bay Packers fan, can you sit there and go, "That was like a free play"? Like, the tight end and the fullback or the tight the two tight they're doing all the work. All the it's student body left and they're running the ball to the right. Like, how many times do you really get that as an offensive line with the Green Bay Packers? You're supposed to be running this very similar offense. Kyle Shanahan's next level. We're going to go into it right now, but. The AFC to me, the Bengals, the, the big game is going to be the Bengals Bills. the The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, the whole thing. I mean, listen, do, do you sit there and go to the Jaguars have a chance? Well, yes, but good Lord. I mean, there's the good. The Jaguars, the thing that they have is they have they have three or four guys that can rush the passer, right? Starting with Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen. Is probably the most underrated guy, with especially the most underrated Josh Allen in the National Football League. This guy is incredible. He can uh, he gets a run, he gets a pass, high high motor, leverage, strong, has great moves, up and unders, cross chops. He can do it all. Guys, an absolute maniacal football player. Like you guys got high energy, great, great leverage. Arden Key's a great player, 95. They can all do it, right? Trayvon Walker is coming along. If they can upset and disrupt at the edges, which I think they can do against the Chiefs, and I don't think Patrick Mahomes can run away from those guys because they're all like six foot four, six foot five, can run. They're just built, you know, they're those tall, lanky, can they leverage, but they're also powerful, athletic guys. That could be interesting. Not going to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Let's get into this NFC stuff. So I broke down the night because we're going to look at this, but I also want to look at and appreciate kind of what some other teams are doing. And you start looking at the Green Bay Packers and go, all right, are we doing this? Are we doing this? To, to, is it a personnel? Is it a scheme? What's the issue? Why are we not where we want to be? And kind of appreciate some of the things that people are doing around the league and see if we can adopt any of this stuff. So let's take a look. I'll start with the Niners defense here. And, um, You know, Green Live. They mentioned a couple times on the show. The guys leading with uh, eleven tackles. Uh, Amanino did uh, uh, two sacks, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hit. Bosa's got five tackles and tackle for loss, multiple pressures. They got multiple pressures, multiple pressures, right? Eric Armstead, who's kind of unsung, right? Six foot seven, defensive tackle, impossible to block, long arms, lanky, right? Can do moves from like three feet away and still beat your hands. Two tackles, sack, and tackle for loss. Obviously, you have the great guys um, at the linebacker position. uh, uh, Fred Warner, who gets all the credit, even though Greenlaw is amazing. So what I want to show you is they're playing just like a cover four here. And Fuanga, they just sit in the pocket for this inside slot receiver on the trips look. But we go empty, and there's nobody to throw. And Bosa's already got pressure on Charles Cross. Charles Cross took a short set, and we'll show you why. But he can't even – we're talking about the quarterback. He can't even plant his feet. Geno Smith can't even plant his feet before he's got to get the heck out of there and get swallowed up. And these are the kind of things that – this is the sack fumble. These are the kind of things that the, the 49ers defense just can't account for. And you look at – when the 49ers line up like this, they'll do a lot of just straight rush, but they also do a lot of – we're going to take that three technique – that's really a four technique now over the left tackle. And we're going to bull rush the left tackle. And we're going to bring Bosa under. And so when you set as a left tackle, you have to kind of set on this guy. But it force it, it kind of gives you more you, – you have a tendency to give it more attention than you should. And you can see with, with Charles, who's going to be a great player in this league, really excited about him. But he starts turning a little bit early. He's going super vertical. So he hasn't gotten any width whatsoever. And now he's almost giving ground. He's at a bad angle. And this is just a bad look. He's catching a player who really is good at that bend and winning with that inside hand on a power press move. Obviously, 94 comes around and makes the play, but you see really why he had to step in the first place. Now, this is a third-down play, and this is the kind of stuff that if you're a Seattle Seahawks, you got to go back and look at and go, does this make sense? They're going to run kind of this this drive route where they're going to take what they're going to try to free up 14, um, by pressing up on the red, the red, the, uh, let me say that again, the inside receiver is going to kind of press and jam release and take a flat route. And then we're just going to get 14 up and under and try to run across on a, on a shallow cross look. But the problem is it takes a minute and unfortunately for Gino Smith, He doesn't have him in it. I mean, he plants his foot, and those guys are already in his face. And so these are the kind of looks where, listen, the San Francisco 49ers know like you're not going to be able to hold up on our rush so they can play up and press man. We talk about that with the Green Bay Packers all the time. It's a combination on the front end and the back end. You can play press man. You can play up close, and all you can do is run go routes, right? If you believe that with the look you're giving right now that you see on the screen, you're going to be able to get home under two and a half seconds. If the answer is you can't get home after two and a half seconds, you're going to get some momentum, then, yeah, you expect that your receivers are going to be able to – like DK, he's going to be able to create some separation. They just don't literally have the time. You can see Geno Smith here. They get ready to go. Ball one, two. And right here, he wants to throw. But – DK's got to clear Green Greenlaw here, 57. He's got to clear him and win. No time. They're just relentless on defense. When I think about this team, when you just think about the San Francisco 49ers and you, and you want to just make a, a, a proclamation about, you know, what's their culture? What are they all about? You know, for me, it's just they are, absolutely relentless really on offense and defense it's it's incredibly incredibly uh impressive so Gino drops to his his high point so he's going to Traditionally, what you're going to try to do here is you're going to take your your three-step back foot hits, hitch, and you want to make a play. Everybody's staring at him. No one's open. You can see at the top, we haven't cleared the safety. We haven't cleared on the shallow cross and the linebacker. We haven't cleared. And we don't have a route up top because they bracketed him. And you can already see 75's coming around the corner on the left tackle. And we can see that 94 is beating the right tackle on the inside. So again, There is just literally no time to do business here. So the reason I put those lines up, guys, is ideally as an offensive tackle, you want to be able to, after three kicks, have your inside foot on that red line. If you're outside of that space, In other words, if you kick out in two kicks, one kick, if you kick outside of this line, they're going to be able to beat you inside or you've given up a short corner. It's just a simple, simple rule of thumb because you're you're entering into confrontation. You're not in control. So you see both of these guys. You see on the left side first, Charles is already turned on two. He's got a problem. We'll go back and look at 72. Takes his set right here. That's on his second step, he's already too wide. He gives up the inside move. 94 comes in. Easy sack. Not rocket science. It's just it's just good football. Now, in the run game, it's the same. They're just attacking, attacking, attacking. And Fant here should sense because 31's outside of Bosa, the Bosa's probably going to come inside. First of all, Bosa usually has his outside hand up, right? So he's changing his stance. His body's leaned leaning to face to the inside. And he's going to try to get skinny through here and just gets lit up, pushed across. And now he's created a situation where there's nowhere for Kenneth Walker to, to uh, run. There's no running lane. And they just swarm. They just swarm. I mean, if one thing is consistent with these guys. They just swarm on defense. Now, this is, a, this is like a left gap call for the center. I mean, he's going to work with the left guard up to 54, okay? And the right guard and the right tackle are going to do a B block to 57. But you see the way the Niners run this is – and they're running this right on the snap of the ball. Like, they already know exactly where the ball's going. Greenlaw's hitting this thing on the snap. He's not reading anything here. He's already, he already has made his pre-snap cues and pre-snap reads. He knows exactly what he's going to be doing right here. We get the spike by the the two-eye over the left guard. And now the left guard thinks he's rising up for 54, which he's right. The center has to come all the way past this off at the right guard and get up to 57. Can't do it. 57 crosses his face, which makes the running back cut before the line of scrimmage. We talk to A.G. about this all the time. This is how you stop a running back's momentum. Just gets washed up. Just a great system and scheme. Offensively, I mean, these guys are really, really good at making people pay by formation and then utilizing the weapons that they have. And for me, I think that uh, Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle are the absolute key to success for this team. We'll start here. And Bruce Irvin, you can see, is split out. And he split it because he's worried that Juszczyk's going to crack him. Juszczyk's in a crack look. They bring Kittle across and he's sprinting across. He's not giving anybody time to think about it. So now 51 has to sit here and widen. Now he's got Trent Williams 71 coming at him. And Juszczyk's just going to come in and crack the middle linebacker. Easy. Now, Kittle has corner responsibility, but he runs inside out on a Trent, so Trent can come off the ball as hard as he wants. And by the way, Trent's a scary dude running at you. It's like Larry Allen 2.0 running at you. He can take off the any hip here on, the, on 51. They now have a huge running lane. And now George Kittle, who runs about 265, badass, is just running at a cornerback. Nothing happening. I mean, it's just phenomenal scheme. They just put you in a situation to be successful look at it again. Look at the speed and how that affects, like the speed of Kittle, and now you look at 57. 57 doesn't have a, run, a running start, right? And where are his eyes? His eyes are on the offensive line. His eyes are on George Kittle. His eyes are in the backfield. And who blocks him? Huge check. Doesn't even see him. Doesn't even see him. What great! I mean, just it's just such a smart design. The rest of the offensive line, I mean, yeah, they're they're in there playing ball, right? They're not they're not uh, destroying anybody off the line of scrimmage. They're not doing anything differently than most of the other offensive lines in the league, except for Trent Williams. But because of the talent they have at these skill positions. Just a different – look at Ayuk trying to block. Look at this at the end. Just a little extra. Why not? So now they bring Ayuk in motion over here to the bottom of the screen. Again, we're picking on the linebacker. We see the toss look. And if you're a Green Bay Packers fan, you got George Kittle and Ayuk here. 51, Bruce Irvin's like, now, okay, well, now we're going to spike inside because I'm not just going to sit here and get – I'm not going to get um, – Cracked by Ayuk. I'm just going to take matters in my own hands. I'm going to spike inside. It's a design play, but they're doing it for a reason. Ayuk just goes out and blocks force. Now, easy release for Kittle. Easy play for Trent Williams because he's a man separated. So when that guy spikes, he can react. Trent does a great job of taking one and actually taking two here. But Kittle comes up and attacks this linebacker, throws his hips into him, and creates a running lane right here. For Debo. Another fantastic job. You think about it, when you watch use check here as it comes in motion in the backfield. He doesn't even have to block somebody for five yards. I mean, he's got to find somebody to block. Phenomenal. Just a phenomenal job of the speed of play, speed of pre snap motion, moving around, and just having guys that are Swiss Army knives at the absolute highest level. And so, what happens? They bring Yuschek back in motion. They bring them, and then they, they put him in far. They bring him across like they're going to run their toss play. Debo's in that crack position, so 53 is widened out. The, enti- the entirety of the Seattle Seahawks line is going to be sprinting to stop Christian McCaffrey. They just pick it up. Purdy throws it. Purdy had a good game, throws it right to Debo. These guys block downfield for him, they do the rest. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Just fun to watch. I mean, if you're if you're into football, man, this is just it's just simple things like this. So they take they take the backfield action. Let me go back here. And they motion him out. And that starts widening the outside backer out to the flat. It creates a wide-open release lane for Ayuk. And they're basically saying that 57, as he's backpedaling, is not going to be able to keep up or is not going to follow the eyes of Purdy as Ayuk runs this deep dig route right here, wide open. They're actually having the corner having to come all the way across because they're so worried about the speed here. Everyone's committed and they're not driving on the crossing route. So the corner's trying to catch up all the way across, impossible with the le- outside leverage that he had. Great play call. They go from a bunch look. They bring McCaffrey across. Purdy turns his back. And again, what are you getting when you turn your back? Everybody's engaged with the running back. Free release for Kittle here. One linebacker steps up. Now they're trying to pass this off, but it's like pass it off to who? Is he trying to communicate with the linebacker? The safety on the other side has got to worry about the corner route. And they got, you know, again, fast players catching the ball deep downfield. Action, whether it's under center, whether it's shotgun. And you look at the action. A lot of teams run this, so they'll pull their right guard block everybody down, bring check down as well. He doesn't even have to block Bruce Irvin, right? It's like they, you get to the point where they really got, they're really rushing two right here, which is insane. Great pocket, great throw. And then when I talk about, you know, what do you need? Like, what do you need to advance? What do you need to go forward here? Well, George Kittle is like a unicorn in the league now. I mean, in my, in my estimation. And I say that because how many guys can block like him? How many guys can run after the catch like him? You got four Seattle Seahawks DBs and linebackers. He outruns two safeties and runs over a corner to get an extra six yards on that catch in the middle all the way to the sideline. Shouldn't be able to happen, right? But he's just a special, he's a special athlete, but he's also a special football player. He, he puts the work in. The guys are fun to watch. So you want to think about that team though. Let's just talk about from an offensive standpoint. <clears throat> like what do they have? What do they have that the Packers don't? Packers have Aaron Rodgers. They're playing with Brock Purdy, and he's playing at a – he's a ridiculously high level. Brock Purdy had – oh, let's see here. Well, Christian McCaffrey had 119 yards on 15 carries. Brock Purdy had 332 yards, 18 for 30. I mean, pretty efficient day. And, like, he doesn't throw a great ball. But when you run for 181 yards on 33 carries with a five-and-a-half – yard, yard per carry average. You got Debo's got 133 passing and 32 rushing. ayuk has got three for 73. Here's what's, so those guys are great, right? And they're unique and they've done a great job of accumulating speed and talent at important positions and they can move them around. And it's phenomenal. It really is. It's fun to watch as, from a scheme standpoint. I don't know if you execute it as well without those players, but I know that you execute just conceptually what they're forcing those guys to do and what they're doing with speed motion pre-snap is something that the Green Bay Packers could adopt immediately and see a dramatic improvement. Here's what is, is, is exciting from an old school guy. Kyle Juszczyk had one catch for six yards, no carries George Kittle had two catches for 37 yards, no carries. So those guys touched the ball three times. And I will argue that they're as important, if not more so than any two players on the San Francisco 49ers as far as being successful. I'm talking about skill position, guys. Now, what did I just say? McCaffrey had 119 rushing, 17 catching, uh, 33 for Debo, 30, uh, 133 for Debo, and 32 rushing. I got 73. Those two players, three catches for 43 yards. But everything they do in that system, the leverage they create, the mismatches, the speed, the speed motions, the power, the the physicality, the aggress, everything that they do is built around the fact that those two are just badass unicorns. That it's not like it's not like you can't find those guys. It's not like they don't exist. It's not like there's not like there's no there's not another Kyle Ushik out there or another George Kittle. We just don't like. We look at Travis Kelsey. We look at you know the 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 slot receiver, tight end, and we covet that now. We don't even think about fullbacks. And you've got two guys here that are literally the keys to unlocking a defense from the San Francisco 49ers standpoint. If you have those kind of guys, you can find those. I think you can find them. I don't know if you can find a George Kittle. I don't know if you can find a Kyle Juszczyk, but you can find comparables in, you know, in the, in college football, in the national football. Like you just have to go out and teach them and use them and, and, and develop them. To be these kind of players, man, those guys are special and they are making an incredible difference for that team. Offensive line-wise, yeah, they got Trent Williams. David Bakhtiari is same tier, right? Everybody else on that team, I don't know if you trade a single player on the offensive line for the San Francisco, maybe Maglinski, right right tackle, first-round pick Notre Dame. Maybe you trade him for Josh, But the rest of the guys, it's kind of same, same. Like Jake Brendel and Josh Myers – you would say Josh Myers is the better prospect. Jake Brendel's a tough kid from UCLA, strong, much, but veteran. You know, been well coached, all of that. But those guys aren't knocking anybody off. They're not killing anybody. They're just running a system that complements them in, at the highest level. And then you look, at obviously, the receivers. I mean, it's just Ayuk's an un, like you do not even think about it. Iuke, three yards, you know, three catches, seventy three yards. And you just go, well, we, you know, Christian Watson, you, you, we have guys Romeo, these we have, you have to get guys that can run through tackles. I mean, the the, the Seahawks are usually good tackling team. The men look foolish yesterday, but. When you have a clear vision of what you want to do with your team, like Cal Shanahan does, he has actually made the focal point of the team, not the quarterback. And I'm not saying that's the way for everybody to do it. Certainly like Joe Burrow, you know, the Bengals couldn't live this way, but. With this guy, and you see it, Mike McDaniel's got really done the same thing. Uh, The Jaguars offense is, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a huge part of the Jaguars offense and the Bills, a huge part of, you know, but you're the Giants maybe is a better example. You're making, you're taking some of the, the focal point off of the one position and you're making his supporting cast a much more important or primary part of what's happening on the field every single game against every opponent. I love it. We'll talk about the Giants right now. So Giants offense, let's go back to it. Because they just – Daniel Jones had himself a day yesterday. I know I just said all that, and Daniel Jones did have a day yesterday. So Daniel Jones ended up 24 for 35, 301 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He had 78 yards rushing on 17 carries. So he led the Giants in both. He broke some record, something about 70 yards rushing and 300 yards passing. Had a phenomenal day. But what's important is that, you know, for example – this kid, Evan Neal, the first-round draft pick, is not playing well. And they made him look good. Or they made, they they understood that Daniel Jones, you're going to have to win with your legs some of these times. Some of, the, some of these plays, they're going to get pressure. You're going to have to evade and make moves. And he was just more than willing to do it. So because we're a Packers podcast, the first thing i got to show is the, the Minnesota Vikings running into each other. Excuse me. So here we go. Everybody's on the floor. Easy pitch and catch. Those are always fun to watch. (laughs) But you look at Evan Neal here. He'll get better. But he got bowled past the quarterback multiple times this game. Like he's on the other hash mark now. And Daniel Jones just does a good job using his feet. And this is where I think he's really evolved. Using his feet buying time to find the open receiver. Great job on the slot opening up here on Hendrickson or Kendricks, excuse me. We'll show it here. We'll show the pass rush. Just gets that inside stab. You see we're catching here on the uh, with our left hand here at the right tackle position. Gets pulled by. It's just a phenomenal job. We know the Minnesota Vikings are great in the secondary. Now, we just showed a ton of plays where this guy's worried about getting cracked. Now, if you're a Minnesota Vikings fan, you're going, okay, let's let's just look at this. You know, we're, we're tighter to the field. We're on the right hash, so we're tighter to the field. We're in a cracked position. Should we be aware here? Do, should we have one guy outside leverage on this entire thing? It's likely a problem. It's a thing they'll look back at and go, okay, we should probably leverage this a little bit better. It's not like you're going to run the toss out here on the right side. It doesn't make a lot of sense, just given the numbers and given the, the position on the field. Great job here by the rumbling, bumbling center coming around. So we do the fake jet sweep, pitch to Saquon Barkley, C-76, rumbling over, getting there, get there, get there, bang. finally makes the one little block to let a talent like Saquon Barkley, again, focal point for the offense. Saquon Barkley has 53 yards on nine carries, two touchdowns, okay? they run for 142 but because you have a Saquon Barkley it changes the outlook of your team what are you worried about you know game you know game if, what's the game plan okay yeah are we worried about Daniel Jones maybe after yesterday yes what is every team going insane we got to stop Saquon Barkley right stop Saquon Barkley stop the play action pass right off of the Saquon Barkley runs Got trips up top. One thing they do with Saquon Barkley is that when you release him through the line of scrimmage, so a lot of like linebackers, if you you flare him out to the right or to the left, it's kind of easy to see, easy to read, easy to pick up. You bring him right down the pipe between the guard and the center, and now you've got a bunch of mess with this linebacker. To his right, he's got bodies, and now he's got to go try to pick up Saquon. They try to pass this thing off to Kendricks. doesn't work. We'll see it here. So this is Hicks. Tries to pass it. But Kendricks has no idea, man. He's just trying to press that inside slot receiver. He's late to it. Genius. It's just all about communication pre-snap and not having to do it post-snap, right? And if you have to do it post-snap, you're usually going to put yourself in a bad position. Same thing here. Saquon's exiting through the B-gap. And now you've got bodies flying at you. This really just turns into like a clamped-in bunch look. And they could have thrown anywhere they wanted. Here, you see Saquon's wide open. You see the, the guy uh, going across the field. The receiver's open as well. You look at this from the end zone copy, though. They're trying to communicate this pre-snap. Communication is poor. So now Harrison Smith's trying to Relay information, right here, you just, this is just a bunch release. I and mean, that's really all this looks like, right? So you got 82 going vertical, sliding cross, and now Barkley's just gonna break out to the flat. You got two people chasing the tight end. Linebacker's trying to pass who off to somebody. And this is a who's on first moment. He could have thrown a Saquon. Saquon's probably still running, right? And this is all about pre-snap communication on the same page, you're at home, Giants just do a great job putting them in a situation where they're going to have to make decisions. And I think a lot of football right now is understanding that the more you do, the the faster th- you, things, you do things before the snap count, like the faster pre-snap motion like the Niners use, the more situations you use, like the closer you come to the ball and the more you use bunch, the easier it is to separate because you have more field to run away from the defenders. Right. And so what you're doing a lot is putting people in situations where they have to communicate, make fast decisions. And then you're always like nine times out of 10, maybe 19 times out of 20, the quarterback can be right because there's so much room to run. So in either one of these situations, even if they all figure this out, they're still going to be out leveraged on two shallow cross, essentially what ends up being a shallow cross and a flat route. So big yardage here. They run the inside trap. Inside traps getting really big now. And this is a great way to get, you know, guys like Barkley, a couple more of like free touches. You see 97 here, and he's just put in a really difficult situation because you have so many things that can happen at the defensive tackle position. You could be draw, this could be a double team, this could be a single drive block. This could be a backside B. This could be a cut block on the backside by Andrew Thomas. You see the motion. They bring it back. This probably demonstrates that we're going to. Try to cut off with this uh, with 83, which means what? with means Andrew Thomas, and so we're going to get a double-team look right here. So he's expecting that. They step two, and now 97's like, doesn't even know where to look. The quick trap game's on. Kendricks gets blocked by the right, or the left guard. They seal it off of Thomas and the, and the receiver. Now, now Harrison Smith's an all-pro. Might be a Hall of Fame player. Saquon Barkley's like, this is like Barry Sanders 2.0 right here, though. Whoop! I mean, that's big time. He did it so good he wanted to do it twice. Let's look at it again. I mean, I think when kids go to sleep at night, they wish they could do this. Good good Lord. Special. Now, Giants defense. I think for me, Giants defense had two objectives in this game. They know that Kirk Cousins does not take a lot of sacks. But they also know, like we talked about before, that he can get rattled. They know that he doesn't have a great sense of pocket awareness. And we know that if you take away his first option, which is usually Justin Jefferson, and you present him with some issues, it's he has a hard time getting right. And he can do some Kirk Cousin things, which you know ultimately he ends up on, I think, on the fourth and eight throws the three-yard pass. Right Now, he didn't have a bad game. Hawkinson actually had a really good game, which is like the same blueprint for the Packers, which was take away uh, Jefferson. They largely did. Jefferson had seven catches for 47 yards. Hawkinson had 10 for 129. Thielen had three for 50. So they got their yards, but they probably didn't give them the manner that they wanted. But the Giants defense, I don't think they recorded any sacks. They had five tackles for loss. They had 11 quarterback hits. Dexter Lawrence, what we talked about earlier in our preview, Dexter Lawrence versus the interior of this line. Gary Bradbury was back. Dexter Lawrence versus the interior of this line was going to be a problem. He was a problem all day yesterday. And we talked about knockdowns, but we don't talk about our hits, quarterback hits. But there's also a ton of pressures that go along with that. These guys just played next level. But it was very simple. Reset the line of scrimmage, double JJ. Simple game plan. Can you execute? So, Listen, if you're a Packers, if you're an NFC North fan, and you see this, so they run the reverse and you're throwing it back to Kirk Cousins, I mean, you just go, it's going to be a good day. You know, this is like, this is like when you put peanut butter under the, the jowls of your dog. You know, it's a, what is that? They call me Tater Guy, Ron White. He puts yeah. peanut butter on the jowls of his dog, and the dog looks at him and says, "Gonna be a good day, Tater." Like it's going to be a good day when you see this, because that's just, I mean, that's just all bad. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. So we see the first one, Dexter Lawrence. I don't even have the, uh, you know, one of the big quarterback hits that you show, but just from the run game perspective, listen, the left guard, they must not trust that left guard very much in in the way that they run stuff. And it happens multiple times this game, but the center has to try to overreach Dexter Lawrence here and just doesn't have that inside window. He's got a, a, a heavy, heavy shade, but you know, for me, if you've got a guy like that, you've got to be able to sit and feel this guy a little bit more at the left guard position just so the center doesn't feel like he has to overreach with a second step because if he does, he gets that crossover and all of a sudden Dexter Lawrence is going to do that. I don't know what he weighs, but it's a lot. And he's gonna press you into that hole. You're coming off an injury, tough sledding, bad luck. you know, this is just one of those things. I don't it's it's just hard to uh, from a scheme standpoint, it's hard to justify doing that with the player that Dexter Lawrence is. You see this one, same kind of thought process. I'm going to point at the, we're going to see the drop here and they're going to drop and they're going to double Jefferson. So they thought they had at the snap, go back here. So it looks like he has inside leverage. This is how you confuse Kurt, right? Now you take. The would-be blitzer, you give him inside leverage. You create an outside leverage position on, on Jefferson. All of a sudden, he can't throw what he wants to throw. Problems. What's the second part of this? And so that's, you know, everything's married, right? So the back end's married to the front end. We talked about it before um, with the Niners. But the way that 36 masks this and then takes inside leverage away, takes away that first throw because now the slot defender can take outside leverage on that out route from Jefferson. The other thing that happens here, this guy, this is their dude. I mean, this guy is just disruptive. And the and the left guard for me, I mean, you're gonna give him a hand? Like, why don't you 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 might as well just pat him on the ass on the way by? You gotta slam into this guy and stop momentum. Now, he's the one who got rolled over, I think, later on in the game because he's kind of playing soft and putting his hands on Dexter Lord. sections. like, I'm not doing this. Stabs him, throws him on the ground, and jumps on Kirk Cousins. Now, the left guard ends up getting a great help block with Christian Derosai right here and knocks this guy out. But it's like, dude, you left your interior center. You left him out to dry because you didn't stop momentum creating problems, right? It's just simple stuff. But with a Dexter Lawrence, that guy is phenomenal right now. I don't know if you can stop him one-on-one. When he gets that stab and lean into it, it's a real problem. Guy's phenomenal. Now, what's the other part? We talked about doubling JJ. We just showed one of them. This is Green Bay Packers Formula 101. This is Joe Barry. They go the two-by-two, two, so he's the inside receiver. We funnel him in, and look. We got the slot, excuse me, we have the safety staring at him, chest facing. He is no longer a viable threat. This isn't like the safety's backpedaling, chest facing the quarterback. He has turned in, his chest is facing Justin Jefferson. That that option is no longer available. So what do we got to do? Somebody else has to get open. Thielen doesn't make it. Problem. Okay, so now we went two by two. Now we're going to go empty. We're going to motion down so that he's the middle slot receiver we got a safety back deep and they still they don't care we usually what happens you trap the middle you trap the inside slot receiver on looks like this nope we are double teaming Justin Jefferson he is not going to get open this is a great play design actually by Kevin O'Connell they're bringing KJ Osborne all the way across so they're going to go up top they're going to go deep and then they're going to bring Justin this is basically two deep two kind of deep crossers you got the flat route here on the 50 you got the go route you got KJ Osborne taking like if it's a like a left flood route but really what they're trying to do is get Justin Jefferson all by himself over here they bring the you look on the the bottom of the screen on the 48 yard line you see that they the uh, the defenders looking at the wheel route by the running back They're trying to get him open, but they're double teaming. So they got to throw it to KJ and other guys just have to make plays. And sometimes they do make plays. But if your top player doesn't make the plays that are expected as a team, if you're that dependent, if your guy has 1,800 yards receiving and he ends up getting 47, I think the last three games he got under 50 every single game, it just feels different. I don't know what Dalvin Cook had in this game take a quick peek. So Dalvin has 15 carries for 60 yards. So it's a 31 to 24 ball game. Minnesota scores in every quarter. And Dalvin Cook only has 15 carries. Dalvin Cook has 15 carries. So it's two to one. So Kirk Cousins drops back. uh, They drop back 40 times. So one by Kirk, 39 by Kirk, one by Justin. They throw the ball 16 times. It's two to one. More than two to one. Excuse me, that's bad math. So it's it's over it's over 66% of the time they're throwing the football. Not a good way to you – know, it's just a tough way to win in the playoffs, right? I mean, this is the way that – this you live, in, live by the sword, die by the sword. You got an all-pro caliber running back. You got an offensive line that's going to be hurting against a guy like Dexter Lawrence in the middle of the pocket. Guys outside that you can run against have been proven they can get run against. It's not like the New York Giants aren't the best team in the league at, at, against running the football. But they did a phenomenal job resetting the line of scrimmage with their interior uh, two defensive tackles. They did a phenomenal job of taking away Justin Jefferson as a first option. And I'll go back to it. When you look at the Green Bay Packers, what can you take away from this? From the offensive side of the ball, Daniel Jones is a young threat. He's got a good arm. He's got great feet. You know, he's a developing quarterback. He probably made himself a lot of money yesterday and probably made himself another, I don't know, 50 million over four years. He's probably a 40 million, 45 million a year guy if they can sign a big contract, you know, four or five year deal, probably a hundred million dollars guaranteed. Like he earned he earned it yesterday. He certainly did. But you're not going to take him over Aaron Rodgers. You look at their running back, Saquon Barkley, arguably one of the best guys in the league. We have, listen, we have Aaron Jones and AJ Jones. They're very, very good. Now you got you if you start looking at these different breakdowns and players, you got C Mac, Debo Samuel, all those Elijah Mitchell, all those guys over in San Francisco, phenomenal, right? Giants, Saquon Barkley, phenomenal. Box office. Travis Etienne down in Jacksonville, I think phenomenal. Like, high, high high-level player. Devin Singletary. I mean, really, Josh Allen's the running back in in Buffalo. Joe Mixon's a great player, but really, that's the Joe Burrow show over there. You start looking at the the offenses you might want to emulate. Think about San Francisco. I think about a certain extent, I mean, honestly, the New York Giants, like, it's a user-friendly offense. They're really good at running back. San Francisco is really good at fullback and really good at tight end. You know, that's where I think the Green Bay Packers would all agree. We need to develop or upgrade, develop or upgrade. I don't know that you necessarily can turn Tunyon into a Kittle, um, just mentality-wise, the way he works in the offices and all of that stuff. Like, George Kittle is a unique guy, but I think you can find a guy like him and develop. It's not going to be next year, but maybe in two years from now. But just you're drafting with the idea of, I want that kind of player. I want that kind of personality, that kind of work ethic. Um. Daniel Bellinger is a rookie playing for the New York giants. You know, I mean, he's, he's going to be a good player. He's a developing guy. He's not a huge weapon. He does a little bit of everything though. He gets, he's, he's proficient, right? And they put him in situations to be successful. And then you look at the offensive line and I don't know a healthy offensive line, a well-coached offensive line for the Green Bay Packers a year under the belt. If, if, um, I don't know if they put Sanovich back there. I don't know if they just continue to evolve and improve in that, in that room, but Yeah, you know, back to Ari Jenkins. Myers is going to bounce back and have a a better third year. You have to believe that, you know, he's going to buckle down and really work on his technique. John Rennie Jr. is going to continue to develop like some more power and explosiveness, be a better version of himself this year. And then the right tackle position, Zach Tom's going to be there somewhere. Yashim's going to be there somewhere, depending on what they do in free agency. Like you have the makings of, I think, a good offensive line. They were a good offensive line in 2021, 2022 season. The Niners. Trent Williams is unique and he does a lot of stuff for that team that you just other people can't do. He's like a Larry, he's a Larry Allen type player, but the rest of them, you know, good. They're, they're good, solid player. They're good, solid uh, offensive. They're, they're nothing phenomenal. They're not nearly what you would expect them to be given the offensive powerhouse that the Niners are. Jags, Brendan Triff, they brought him in Uh phenomenal leader, phenomenal player, going to be a hall of famer. The rest of them, same. Good. They're, they're, they're good. That's the Bills, left side of the line, Saffold, Dawkins, Morris, good. Good players, high-level players, winners, proficient. Like they win their 1v1 matchups. That's a good – I mean, I would argue that they're better than the, than the Packers offense uh, offensive line right now. Bengals, always bad, right? Always bad. And this is kind of what gets frustrating, I think, when, when people start talking about the Aaron Rodgers story. Because you see a Joe Burrow and you go, dude, Joe Burrow is going to get – The Bills might sack him eight times next week. I mean, they got two guys that have never So the right guard was playing for the Texans at the beginning of the year. The right tackle, Lyle Collins, is injured. Cap is injured. So the right guard, right tackle are are, are new. Jonah Williams hurt his knee in this game, so they're going to have a new left tackle, supposedly. So they're going into this with two out of their five starters, and they're already bad. And they already gave up 41 sacks before last night. Joe Burrow just keeps winning right it's different they their offense is not user friendly he's just really 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 good and then you look at the giants offensive line giants offensive line is proficient right andrew thomas just got a second team all pro is is he is he the second best left tackle in the league no he's good he's a good player i not you know he, i don't know if he's that good um Evan Neal was not a strength this year at right tackle. He'll, you assume he's going to get better, but you kind of look at his body type and wonder how. It's going to take a lot of coaching, and you're going to have to convince him from a mindset standpoint that he's got to get much, much lighter on his feet, whatever that looks like physically. Interior, that offensive line is good, but not great. Again, good. They're good. There's nobody here that's just blowing the doors off you, right? So when you look at this, for me, offensively, it's about finding a, finding some of those – Guys that are real unique difference makers on offense, and then utilizing to their maximum capabilities. So that's like finding a guy who can who can run routes like like a uh, a healthy Tunyon and block like Mercedes Lewis. That's a rarity, but the pendulum swinging back. You know, you find a guy like Youchek that can play a real fullback. You don't need to have a tight end. Get a real fullback who can do it all, right? Who's a little bit faster, who's a little bit more aggressive in the blocking game. Right, who, who's just a, who can block guys without having to cut him every, you know, who can keep guys standing up and actually create a hole and not a pile. Those, those little things they make a huge difference in these games. When you watch the Niners, I keep going back to them because it's, you know, supposedly from the same tree. When you watch them and you just watch the simplicity of what they're really doing, they're winning with leverage and they're winning with aggressiveness and they're winning with really, really good fundamental technique at those important positions. So this stuff's fun to watch um, defensively. Listen, Dexter Lawrence, guys like that make it are making a huge impact. Eric Armstead, Bosa, um, you go through. I mean, the the linebackers on the Niners, obviously, but you also look at, I guess for me, the Jacksonville Jaguars. What they do, the like the, every group, every team has a group that they're just kind of special at. And if you were the Green Bay Packers and you look at that, you go. Where are we special? Like Kenny Clark's a really, really good player. Would you call our defensive tackles a special group? I don't know. Could you add somebody there? If Wyatt becomes a guy, is that maybe? If Rashawn Gary is healthy, Preston Smith, like those two I think are actually pretty special together. But we've talked about it all year. You need a third guy, and that third guy's got to be a stud. I think Hollins is an up-and-coming player. and barry certainly had a good rookie season. But are they, just from a physical standpoint, are they big enough to be the guys that you really need them to be? That's a question I don't know the answer to. Linebacker position, you have a guy who was an all-pro last year, fell off a little bit this year. Probably, you know, we'll int- listen, the contract thing is always an issue as far as, like, once you get paid, are you going to be the same guy? We'll have to see next year what he looks like. Certainly, um, Quay Walker is a guy who's young and has a lot – of. Of learning to do, but certainly has the physical tools. And then, secondary, you have questions at the safety position going in the off season. You probably have questions at one of the corners going into the off season as far as soaks coming back from an injury. You know, you start looking at some of these other teams that are going to advance, though. And you can't really like. There's no reason to feel bad about the Green Bay Packers. There's some positions that you of need. There's no reason to feel bad about any spe, you know any specific position. To me, it's more about aligning your guys with what you with what your entire team does best not necessarily what your quarterback likes the most not necessarily what your offensive coordinator your coach likes the most what plays what system what type of things are you going to do that accentuate the positives of your team in the best manner possible you know and if and listen it's the off season if you've like if this is what I'm gonna run and I gotta go get guys to do it then the wholesale trade fire Guys that can't do it and bring guys in that can. So, game tonight, Dallas, Tampa, Dallas by two and a half. I'm taking Tom. Uh, Dak Prescott is the key to the game. Des- Des- Dak Prescott, they limit him to under 30 attempts. He seems to be playing pretty well. He goes over 30, throws multiple picks. Um, I think it's as simple as that. We showed in a preview last week, holds on to the ball, has pocket presence is an issue right now. Accuracy has been an issue. Footwork, if he just. Can get his feet set, step underneath them. Guy's a good quarterback. He's a great leader. I'm actually rooting for him. I like Dak Prescott. Not a g- huge fan of Dallas Cowboys historically, but I just think it's always tough to bet against Tom Brady. They're at home. Going to be a good game. Can't wait to watch it. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Remind, check out, uh, check me out, Mike Wall68 on Twitter, process to perform on Instagram. Subscribe, like, all that stuff on.com